Hello, I'm Becky Hadid, host of The Storied Recipe. As my weekly guests share their stories through the vessel of cherished food memories, we all become better cooks, more grateful for the gift of food, and we honor those that have loved us through their cooking. Welcome to a short but packed bonus episode with Michelin-starred pastry chef Monique Chan. Monique graduated first in her class at her Parisian pastry school, then went on to work in renowned bakeries, five-star hotels, and multiple Michelin-starred restaurants, including the French Laundry in California. Her latest achievement was serving as executive pastry chef of Ecrature in Hong Kong, which received two Michelin stars in a record-breaking seven months after opening. When I interviewed Monique several weeks ago, the two of us simply could not stop conversing, and we finally grudgingly got off the phone almost an hour past our intended stopping time. The conversation that you're about to hear, where Monique turns the tables and begins interviewing me, began about 90 minutes into our chat. She got me talking about my experiences and struggles. Then Monique goes on to share her own definition of what it means to be an artist. And she discusses her experiences balancing creativity and productivity, both as a chef herself and as a manager of other chefs. As my poor, wonderful editor, Justin, struggled to cut down the episode, he called me and said that this was a conversation that was fascinating to him, also an artist, and felt It deserved to be a standalone bonus episode. So here we are, and I hope you enjoy it. And please, if any of these topics got you thinking and you'd like to share your thoughts, I would love to hear them. Always feel free to drop me an email at becky at thestoriedrecipe.com. And I did want to ask, just as we were talking about the hours and the job description and all of that, we've kind of gone around to that a couple of times. Mm -hmm. I'm also just curious in terms of well, okay. I think there's there's different levels of hard work, right? So like my husband, he owns a small software company and his hard work is that when there's a problem, it has to be solved. Like mm-hmm. period, you have yeah. to apply your mind. He's not digging ditches. He could, he's big and strong, <laughs> but <he's, laughs> he would probably prefer that sometimes. He's not digging <laughs> ditches, you know, he's not on his feet in a kitchen, but if there is a problem that has to be solved, like he has to apply the mental, he can never relax mentally, mm-hmm. you know, like it has to be solved. He has to parse through the code until it's solved, you know? And so that's one difficulty of work. There is a difficulty in, you know, laying shingles on a roof and you are in the sun, you're in the wind and the cold, like there's different things that are difficult about every job. And we've talked about the job being difficult because of the hours and the physical labor, Mm -hmm. but I'm also curious how difficult it is in terms of the just I think it's exciting, but it's also intimidating. It's scary. It's exhausting to be creative and to be innovative. Mm. And how much of your job was you had to go in every day and not just chop vegetables and be on your feet, and mm-hmm. but you had to be innovative and creative on a daily basis? Yeah. Well, Becky, can I ask you a question yeah. before I answer? Yeah. How in your life, because you are creative yourself and also a very high functioning person with a family, big family. (laughs) How do you find the balance between being productive and being creative? Or do you find that they are not separate? Well, this is quite 
the, if it's this a sensitive topic, we don't no, know. it's just it's actually something that I struggle with quite a bit hmm. because I am very I'm simultaneously the most intimidated by, the most driven by, and the most gratified by being creative. Mm. Yeah, spoken um, like a true artist. <laughs> <laughs> which I don't think of myself as an artist at all. Oh, at gosh. all. No, I, I honestly don't. And I really have been thinking about that a lot in terms of this whole model that I have going for this podcast because mm. it was really driven by a desire to be creative, to share mm -hmm. stories visually. Yeah. But, you know, as the podcast grows and that grows, do I keep the two together or do I not? And am I actually limiting the growth of the podcast mm. by staying with this model? So how do I find the balance? I think that I have to ask myself, like, what do I most want yeah, and then ask myself: Am I aligning my time? Yeah, with what I most want. <laughs> yeah, and I don't actually yeah, know the yeah. answer to that, and that actually has to do with work-life balance, also. Yeah, totally. What do I actually want? And it has to do with being on Instagram versus Pinterest to grow, or working yep. on SEO versus watching a educational course about pitching to brands, right? I mean, yeah, all of this of is my, I would say my biggest struggle is that I have many aspirations. I have, I have abilities and dreams that far outpace the time that I have. Oh gosh. <laughs> and I have to, again, ask myself that question over and over. What do I most want? And does my time reflect that? Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I would say more often than not, no. Hmm. And I think because I am driven to be creative, but that's also the most tiring. Yeah, definitely. I'm also curious why you, I mean, great response. I'm, I have a lot of things to say about that, but I'm Please. also curious why you think you don't consider yourself an artist. Your photos are breathtaking. I mean, the second that I came across your IG account, <laughs> like way back when, when you were one of my first connections in like the early days of Shea Momo, <laughs> I mean, I immediately was like, who is this woman? Aww. And I'm pretty sure what uh, the first few of my comments were on like the artistry of your Aww. photography. Mm. I think because it's, it's very learnable. Hmm. Like I don't feel that, and I have to work hard at it. Yeah. So I came from a wedding photography background. Yeah. And well, it would only make sense if you know the people, but I bet you see this in the restaurant world, there are people that just get inspiration, mm -hmm. right? And they almost have a genius. So there was this guy in the wedding photography world, Sam Hurd, mm -hmm. and he just has a genius for photography. He has a way of looking at things that is unlike how other people look at things. Mm -hmm. And he develops literally new techniques <laughs> that no one has ever done before. You know? Makes it look easy, right? <laughs> right, right. For me... I do think I'm a good photographer. And mm -hmm. a lot of that is because I came from wedding photography, which is kind of like going from a restaurant to like, I, I, I don't even know what it would be. But I mean, wedding photography is intense and it's adrenaline filled and it's yeah. high pressure and it's emotional. Like you're juggling yeah. people's emotions and you're yeah, juggling totally. intense 
people skills, you know, you're yes, getting yes. a mother-in-law and a bride who don't get along in the same room and making them both smile naturally and authentically oh, yeah. and making them like you, you know, you are looking for the light at any moment in any yeah. room. There's not a moment you don't want to get mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. somebody's delivering a speech and you know, you're 10 hours into the workday, you want the grandmother's reaction as <laughs> the bride says what she has meant to her and you want it beautiful and amazing yes. light, you know, like you are, so doing that and then like going in your garage and like arranging some greenery, <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, it's just not, <laughs> it's like, you know, I have all the time in the world, I can control the space, you know, it's just, um, it's just, but so anyhow, I got, you know, good at photography and there's a lot of people who are a lot better by very carefully observing Mm. what is good in a photo. Like I'm a highly analytical artist. Yeah. That I say, what is amazing about this? Like, why haven't I ever taken a photo like that? Mm -hmm. What Mm -hmm. do I need to do differently next time to do that? So I think that I, all I am is a really good imitator. And then I sometimes have this like amazing moment where my imitation does something a little bit new or a little bit different. You know what I mean? So I'm not saying I copy people's work at all. I'm actually very conscious to say, this is what they, this is the part of what they did that I like. Now let me do every other thing. So Mm -hmm. if the lighting is what I like, let me make a totally different composition and right. also, or if this color combination is what I like, let me make sure I use totally different lighting or whatever, you know, but really yeah. I'm just good at analyzing and then imitating. That's why I don't <laughs> consider myself. Oh, Becky, I think you are doing yourself a disservice because thanks. <laughs> I, what so much of what you said resonates with me mm-hmm. on a profound level. And I think a lot of people feel that way. A lot of creative people feel that way. Mm -hmm. And something that a chef told me, she was a a friend and a coworker at the first hotel where I worked. So I was as green, you know, as I Mm -hmm. could ever be was, I think I asked her how she like came up with new ideas or new dishes or something. We were talking about the topic of creation, dessert creation. Mm -hmm. And she told me what our sous chef had told her. He was sort of a mentor to her. And mm. she passed on his little negative wisdom, which is that as we start out and we train, we learn forcibly by imitation, just mm. as artists. That's how we work. And as we continue to work and develop our own style, at first, it's kind of just like an amalgamation of everything that we've been exposed to, mm-hmm. but with time and with consistent dedication to the craft, we develop our own thing. And mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, a matter of, of habit and mm. time. So mm. I don't think that makes you any less of an artist. I think that defines you precisely as one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> to go back to your question, as exactly as you said and we're describing, everything, whether in life or on the job, is a negotiation of time. Mm. And so when I was working at Ecriture, mm. we had some staffing difficulties because Hong Kong is such a fast-paced city and the turnover of employees is alarming. Mm. <laughs> 
It's very difficult to keep someone, especially someone good. Mm-hmm. And there were days that I would just go in, not even expecting my temp to show up or my wow. intern to show up. It reached, you know, a kind of a, a no expectation level. And that meant that for the permanent people on my team and for myself, there was quite a big workload. It's just sort of the mm-hmm. quotidian tasks that had to be done, mm-hmm. just the brute, yeah. like the brute force mm-hmm. um, that had to be done. And unfortunately, that took away time from my role as someone in charge of creation or innovation mm-hmm. because I had to just like purely focus you on output. Do it. Just, yeah. yeah, just yeah. do the mise en place because we needed it. We needed yeah. it for that service. We we were like making things literally, this is not great, but like a la minute for that service. Yeah. Uh, when technically they should have been in place, you know? Yeah. Um, so mm. it was, it was mm. so, we were so understaffed. Um, mm. And that really hampered my ability yeah. at first to create. Because for me anyway, besides what you were saying about being highly analytical when you when it comes to your creative process. For me, it seems to exist in a space mm-hmm. that's separate from productivity. Mm-hmm. And so to switch from that like super high functioning production gear to mm-hmm. that separate kind of like calm and exploratory place where you can have some creative tension Mm -hmm. was really difficult. Yeah. You you have to have room for failure to be truly creative. Yes, exactly. And you have no room for failure. Exactly. Especially our deadlines and, you know, we're trying to come up with a new dessert that we want to put on the menu next week. That's using this new produce from this country. That's arriving today, (laughs) this produce that's about to go bad and satisfying all of these different uh, requirements. Because at the end of the day, hospitality is a business. It's not, you know, art for the sake of art. Right. Um, Right. So you have to negotiate not just your time, but as you're saying, you know, the end desire, what do you want to come out of this? And so it's very difficult when you're, (laughs) when you're working with those parameters, but in a way it, it was really good for me in terms of refining my process and making it more comfortable for me to Hmm. live in that tension, Mm -hmm. to exist and be okay with not just failing, but failing quickly. (laughs) And Mm. you know what? Just dusting yourself off and moving forward quickly. Mm. Like just Mm -hmm. keep going, just do it. So in a way it accelerated the creativity and innovative process, because like you said, you have to fail quickly. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I actually do relate to that again, in terms of the wedding photography. Yeah. Because at some point you would just say like, okay, you got to get this done. And it has to be good. <laughs> yes, yes, totally. It just has to be. Yeah. Oh, totally. And mm-hmm. so then being mindful of that and wanting to not just like spare my team of it, but make them cognizant and have them be comfortable with working around that too. Mm-hmm. As soon as I did get more help on the team, let's say one or two interns or part-timers, mm-hmm and we were in a more stable workflow, mm-hmm. I had my team set aside like an hour or two every week when they could mm-hmm. and just experiment and pursue mm-hmm. things that were not related to our menu, that were not related to what I was asking them to do. And 
we would, you know, have them go off and do their own thing for the week. And then we would have like a group critique at the end and they would Mm -hmm. present their, their dishes Mm -hmm. and what they had come up with. And we would all taste it and give feedback. And it was a great learning opportunity for Mm -hmm. them. And I remember how much I appreciated that freedom or at least some semblance of it when I was a chocolatier Mm. and how it really helped me develop as a chef and as a person Mm. too. Mm -hmm. And so I think they appreciated it and they had a lot of fun. Mm. Well, I commend you as a manager for doing that because, (laughs) well, no, I really do. Because again, even drawing on my my own life and my own life experiences, I can get into this cycle of exactly like you're saying, you know, defrosting something at the last minute for dinner because <laughs> I'm so busy with everything. And when I do finally get that margin, mm-hmm. it's really hard to keep pushing and say, okay, the margin goes now to getting better. Yeah. And it's much easier to use that margin to just take a breath, take a beat and relax. Mm-hmm. And you didn't let yourself kind of get sucked into that or even just to <laughs> to keep going, mm-hmm. you know, and spinning your wheels. Mm-hmm. But you really forced your team to take that moment. You kind of gave them that gift to be creative. And so I really commend you for that. I think that's wonderful. And I do think that shows, again, just how unbelievably highly motivated you are and how much you really do love your craft. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, it's definitely mm. something that's only possible with the quality of the employee, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm, Uh, And mm -hmm. they were so incredibly hardworking. Like Mm. the, the Cantonese work ethic is just mind blowing. And so Mm. they were so hardworking that sometimes it would verge almost robot, like on a robotic. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in any pejorative way at all, Mm -hmm. but they, they wanted to put the needs of the restaurant first, which totally commend that mm-hmm. that is what I am asking them to do at the end of the day. But if I didn't sometimes just force them and myself to be intentional mm-hmm. about exploring and just having like, you know, a little bit of free play, then I had a feeling that they would get burnt out. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually in the end, everyone would be the worst for it. So I might as yeah. well just stay ahead. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that was a real mark of maturity. So good for you. <laughs> good for you. Once again, I just want to thank Monique for such an enriching conversation. If you haven't heard Monique's full episode, I am positive that you want to now that you've heard her thoughtful and gracious and humble manner. You can find her episode, which is episode 60 of the Storied Recipe podcast in Players Everywhere, or of course, on my website, thestoriedrecipe.com. There, you can also find all of Monique's contact information, as well as her expert croissant recipe. Finally, listeners, I do want to tell you about the Storied Recipe print shop, which flows very much out of my work as a wedding photographer. With that background, you know that I am passionate about telling stories through images. And now, as you know, I tell my guest stories through images of their cherished recipes. As this community continues to grow, and you, my listeners, are connecting deeply with the stories of my guests, I wanted to make some of these images available to you as wall art for your kitchen or your dining room or any other part of your home. 
For me personally, it's important to hang art in my home that's meaningful to me, images that have a story and remind me of something inspiring. If that's the kind of wall decor that you love also, you can shop these images in the Storied Recipe print shop simply by going again to my website, thestoriedrecipe.com and clicking print shop. And finally, I really want to thank two of my recent listeners and reviewers of the podcast. First of all, Deepika from India said, my favorite part of the day is when I tune into the podcast while I work and absorb everything in. The guests have such amazing stories to share. It's just beautifully put together. Thank you, Deepika. And again, I just want to acknowledge that it really is my guest stories that make this podcast wonderful. And lovely Karen of Karen's Kindred Spirit says, listening to the storied recipe is like sitting down with a close friend and sharing a hot cup of tea. It's filled with laughter, memories, and conversations about food. Becky invites listeners to learn about the lives, passions, and special dishes that mean the most to her guests. And when you visit her Instagram account, you can see how she artistically brings her guests' most cherished food memories to life. It is the podcast I listen to when I am driving, walking, or sitting down to relax. It is my guilty pleasure. And thank you so much, Karen. And I hope you don't feel any guilt at all about listening to the Storied Recipe podcast. I also want to thank you, all of my listeners. You really are the community that makes this podcast matter. You are the ones who join with me in appreciating the stories of our guests and in helping the podcast grow and reach more people. You can do that today. You can help this podcast grow. It would mean a lot to me. First, simply by hitting that subscribe button so you don't miss future episodes. You could also forward this episode to a friend or family member. And finally, you can rate it or review it just like Karen and Deepika did. I know that it can be a little confusing or difficult to know how to do that. And so I've made it super easy for you. You can simply go to lovethepodcast.com backslash the storied recipe. Again, that's lovethepodcast.com backslash the storied recipe. Thank you all so, so much for your support. And I hope you have a great week, my friends.